Thank you for accessing this audio resource from Glad Tidings Church. This is Pastor Tim Rice. I hope you enjoy the message and receive some benefit from it. If you do, please let us know. Send your comments to info at gladtidings.church. Now, here's this week's message. If you have your Bibles tonight, would you turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Tonight, I want to share just a few thoughts uh, from this chapter, 1 Thessalonians. I'm not sure um, how many times I've preached on this passage. I'm not sure I've ever actually preached on these actual verses before, but it, but it seems like I must have preached on these verses or I've preached on this passage before because every time that I read Paul's letters to this church in particular, to the Thessalonian church, um, I notice this same theme. And so it's something that the Lord... Um, you know, kind of jumps out at me every time I read it, and so I probably have shared it with you uh, many times before because it, it always it always affects me deeply every time that I see this in in uh, First or Second Thessalonians, um, and so I always feel compelled to share it and to preach to preach about it. So forgive me if you've heard all this before, but you can probably bear to hear it again. Amen, uh, or at least maybe. Um, maybe I just need to say it uh, again, so you bear with me tonight. At any rate, I do, have a, uh, I do have a kind of a unique take on it that I'd like to share with you this evening, so let's get started. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse number 1, Paul says, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and your labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. Heavenly Father, we pray that, Lord, tonight you just bless these words, God. We know that this word is quick and it's powerful. We ask that, Father, you would help us to open up our hearts, Lord, so that you might have your way in us tonight. Give us ears to hear, God. But, Lord, we don't, we don't want to be hearers of the word only. We want to be doers of the word. And so, God, give us the grace that we need, Lord, uh, to to uh, not only hear the word, but to cooperate with it, to make room in our heart for it so that, God, you might affect the, the, um, the transformation that you desire to do in each one of us, and we'll give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, the issue that always affects me uh, when, when I read uh, in Thessalonians, whether it's First or Second Thessalonians, is the unapologetic manner in which Paul addresses the affliction that the Thessalonians have endured since they believed on Jesus Christ. So Paul acknowledges 
that the Thessalonians have endured great affliction since they believed on Jesus Christ. And he is, he is unapologetic about the affliction that they have endured and that they have experienced, experienced since they believed on the gospel. For instance, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, Paul says uh, to the Thessalonians that they should not be, that they should not be moved by the affliction, the afflictions that they are experiencing. This is what he says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. He says, for you know that we are destined for this. In other words, you, you know that we are destined to suffer afflictions and to have hardships and to have trials in our life. He says, for when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction. So Paul is unapologetic about the fact that the Thessalonians, since they believed on the gospel, had experienced afflictions and adversity in their life. And in 2 Thessalonians, Paul boasted about their afflictions, the afflictions of the Thessalonians. He said this, this is evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering. So Paul is, again, this, I mean, it's difficult at one level. Paul is, Paul is actually proud of the difficulty and the hardship that the Thessalonians have had to endure, and he actually commends them uh, because this affliction is a sign of the sincerity of their faith. And for us, here's the thing, for us that's kind of counterintuitive, isn't it? It's, it's not what we expect when, when we give our life to Jesus Christ. We expect, we want our life to get better, right? Happier. We, we, we want to not have difficulty and affliction. We, we prefer to believe that your life gets better when you believe on Jesus Christ. And, it, and, and it's sometimes how we attempt to sell it to others uh, as well, right? But how many knows it doesn't always work out that way? That sometimes when you give your life to Jesus Christ, when you decide you're going to follow Jesus Christ, when you commit yourself to him, um, just like the Thessalonians, you're accompanied with afflictions uh, in, in your life. You go through difficulty and trials, but we prefer that it would be the other way. We sometimes expect that, you know, hey, our life's going to get better. So when somebody's life gets worse, when they are, when they are afflicted or they suffer because of the gospel, we're tempted to apologize uh, for it, aren't we? Oh, I'm, we might say, oh, I'm, I'm sorry that you lost your job after you, after you gave your life to Christ. Or I'm, I'm sorry that your husband is, is angry uh, with you. I'm, I'm sorry that your friends have disowned you. Oh, I feel bad for you that your family thinks you joined a cult. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that things have not turned out for you the way that you thought. Or I'm sorry that your kids are rebelling. I'm sorry that the doctor has diagnosed you with cancer. I'm sorry that things have, have gone uh, wrong for you or turned out bad for you. So 
So my point is that we, sometimes we feel tempted to apologize for the bad things that happen to others. Or we, we're, we're tempted to question God about the adversity and the afflictions that we suffer after we give our life to Jesus Christ. But Paul is, as I said, Paul is unapologetic about afflictions in, in uh, first and second Thessalonians, and other, other places as well. But like I said, it affects me in first and second Thessalonians because he's just so blunt about it. He's unapologetic about it. Uh, Paul says, you know, hey, you've, you have been afflicted since you have given your life to Jesus Christ. And, and, and this might sound a little trite. It's not exactly this way. But it's almost like Paul is saying, you know, you're, you've been afflicted since you gave your life to Jesus Christ, and good for you. <laughs> good for you. I'm not going to apologize for the afflictions that you have experienced since you gave your life to Jesus Christ because this is what Paul is saying. Your afflictions actually prove that your faith is legitimate, that, that you had a real transformation, a real experience with God, your, your afflictions are proof that you have come to know Jesus Christ in a legitimate way and with a sincere faith. So he doesn't, he doesn't try to reassure the Thessalonians in spite of their afflictions. That's what we would be tempted to do, to try to reassure them in spite of the afflictions that they're having. Actually... Um, he reassures them because of the afflictions that, that they are having. He's saying the afflictions you are having prove that you have had a, a legitimate experience with, with Jesus Christ. He reassures them because of their suffering. And that's what affects me so deeply, I guess, um, about Thessalonians because it helps me, it reassures me that something is not wrong with me when things go wrong for me. Do you see that? It, it reassures us as believers that, some, listen, something's not wrong with you when something goes wrong for you. Something might not go your way. Something You might be afflicted. You might encounter adversity. That doesn't mean that something is wrong with you uh, because many are the afflictions of the righteous. And Paul bears that out here to the Thessalonians. He is saying, I've heard about your afflictions and, and good for you. Because that proves that, that you have experienced Christ, Christ in, a, in a sincere way and that you have had a legitimate conversion uh, experience. So um, what we tend to think is that something's wrong with us when something goes wrong for us. When things go wrong, we might wonder, what's, what's wrong with me? What, what did I do wrong? Why, why is this happening uh, to me? However, what, according to what Paul says to the Thessalonians, and in other places as well, but according to what Paul says to the Thessalonians, affliction is not abnormal for Christians but rather affliction is normal for Christians. Y'all didn't expect to be so encouraged tonight when you came on Wednesday nights, did you? 
that affliction is actually normal for Christians. Actually, Paul says, actually, it's one of several reliable indicators that God has chosen you to be his child and that he has chosen you uh, in Jesus Christ. Uh, as Peter confirms, Peter actually confirms this in his epistle as well. First Peter chapter 3, 12, he says, um, I'm paraphrasing, he says, brothers, sisters, you shouldn't be surprised by the fiery trials when they come upon you to test you um, as if something strange was happening to you. That, but that's how we treat them sometimes, that when we go through adversity or trials in our life, we treat them as as if there's something strange. What's wrong? What's going on in my life? Peter says, don't, don't be surprised when you go through afflictions and trials as if something strange is happening to you. But Peter says, but we ought to rejoice in our afflictions in so much as we have been chosen to share in the sufferings of Jesus Christ. So not only is affliction not a cause for concern, but actually affliction is a reason to rejoice. And that's, I didn't get any amens on that, but that's okay. I don't think I would amen it if I was sitting in your place uh, either. <laughs> but so afflictions are not abnormal, they're normal for believers. Um, afflictions are not, a, are not a cause for concern. They're a reason, they're a reason to rejoice because through them, in them, because of them, God has chosen them uh, to reveal Jesus Christ in you so that you can participate in the sufferings of Jesus, Jesus Christ. So that's what I want to deal with tonight is that connection between affliction and joy. Affliction and joy. We usually see those two things. My point is we usually see those two things as mutually exclusive. You're afflicted, you don't feel joy. If you're joyful, it's because you don't have afflictions. And so we sometimes see those two things as mutually exclusive, but Paul actually connects those two things together because he says to the Thessalonians in verse number six, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction and with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So notice, notice how Paul affirms the sincerity, the, the legitimacy of their experience by number one, comparing it to his own experience. He said, you became imitators of me. Just what you experienced, the same thing as I, that I experienced as well. So he compares it to his own experience and he, and he connects it. He connects the affliction that they endured with with the joy that they experience. So in other words, Paul is saying, I know that you were truly converted and, and that you, you came to sincerely know Jesus Christ because you had the same experience that I had. You received the gospel in much affliction, but with great joy, the joy of the Holy Spirit. So Paul doesn't apologize for his affliction. He applauds uh, their affliction. He does not treat affliction and joy as mutually exclusive. He connects them uh, together. Uh, we, want, we want joy without affliction, but Paul 
indicates that the normal Christian experience is affliction with great joy, joy in the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about that connection for just a few moments. Um, how, does, how does our affliction produce joy? Well, as I've already said, the first way is that it, it confirms the legitimacy of our faith, which is a, is a cause. That's a reason to be thankful indeed, amen, that it, that it confirms that we have been converted and that we have experienced. It's one of, not the only, but it is one of the reliable indicators that we have had a genuine experience of faith in, in Jesus Christ. He has chosen us, and when he chooses us, he chooses us to suffer, to partake in his sufferings as well. However, Paul indicates, or he suggests at least, three other ways that affliction can produce joy in, in a believer's life. And these are also reasons for us to be joyful in spite of the afflictions that we encounter. So I want to talk about those very uh, briefly tonight. Number one, first way that affliction produces joy is that it, affliction teaches us endurance. Affliction teaches us endurance. James chapter 1 says this, Count it all joy, brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So in the same way, Paul remembered in this passage, he said he remembered the Thessalonians and he remembered them because of their work of faith, their labor of love and their steadfastness of hope in the Lord. Now each one of these, these three things are each one, descriptions of enduring faithfulness that in spite of affliction and hardship and trials, the Thessalonians endured and they persevered, and Paul commended them because of their endurance. So in other words, they worked in such a way that their, the object of their work was only perceived by faith. They continued to work because of their faith in the promises that God had set uh, before them. So their, their work was produced by their faith in, that was before them. Their labor, they persisted in their labor because of their love for, for Jesus Christ. They, they labored not because they loved the labor, but they labored because they loved the Lord. Amen? And so um, we as parents, those of us that are parents, we, we understand that you you work for your kids, you provide for your kids, you do for your kids. Why? Because you, is it because your kids always appreciate it and they're always deserving of it? Not, not necessarily. <laughs> but you do it because why? Because you love them. And so Paul is saying to the Thessalonians, you worked not because you had immediate results, because, but you worked by faith, your faith was in what God was going to do and going to produce because of your work. You labored, not because you necessarily loved the labor or because it was enjoyable, you were afflicted, it was difficult, but you labored because of your love 
for Jesus Christ and your love for his people. And he said, and you are steadfast. You remain steadfast because of your hope. It was the hope that was set in front of you that caused you to be steadfast and to endure through trials and through tribulation. So Paul commended the Thessalonians because their affliction produced steadfastness and endurance in their life. Now listen, Jesus said that those that endure to the end shall be saved. Amen? In fact, you remember Jesus told a parable about those whose faith didn't survive the hardships and the adversity and the um, uh, troubles of life. Remember when he told the parable about the different types of soil? He said some people's faith would spring up, but then they would faint away when adversity and trials uh, came. But he said, those that endure to the end shall be saved. And afflictions are what God uses to refine our faith and to teach us endurance. And endurance produces the fruit of righteousness in our life. Nobody likes affliction, but every affliction that we endure, how many knows it makes us stronger, it makes us wiser, it makes us better believers in Jesus Christ. Amen? So affliction produces endurance in our life. It produces steadfastness, the ability to hold on and to trust God in spite of the circumstances or the conditions that, that we're going through. So that's a, a reason to rejoice in adversity, that it is producing in us endurance, steadfastness of faith. But there's a second reason that Paul suggests here that there is joy in affliction as well, and that is that affliction sets an example for others. So not only produce, teaches us endurance, but it sets an example for others also. Um, uh, affliction produces joy in that our endurance can set an example for others. Paul says in verse number 7 that the Thessalonians had become an example for all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. In other words, God was saying, God has used the trials that you have endured, the afflictions that you have gone through, the faith that you have maintained during a time of affliction and adversity, God has used those trials, God has used your endurance and your example to inspire other believers who are going through trials and adversity of their own. You see, when we go through afflictions and when we go through trouble, sometimes we like to ask, why me, uh, God? You know, why am I going through this? Why, why do I have to endure this? But the Bible says, that we haven't, we haven't suffered anything that is not already common to others, that they have suffered in the same way. And in many instances, in most instances, they've gone through worse things than we have gone through uh, ourselves. So whatever I'm going through, here's, wh here's what I understand. Somebody else has gone through it before me. And I can look on their example and say, you know, God was faithful to them God solved them through that difficulty, then God's going to see me through whatever adversity and trial 
that I'm going through. I was talking to somebody just the other day, and they were sharing with me some things I never knew about their life. And they were, they were saying, you know, here's what happened at this time in my life, and we went through this. And I was just sitting there thinking, I never, I never knew that about them. And how did they, how did they go through that and endure and keep their faith and hold on to God? And their, their story inspired me because after I had seen what they had endured and what they had gone through, I was thankful. God, you are faithful to them. They, they made it through that situation. They made it through those, that adversity and that affliction in their life, and they came out on the other side loving you. They came out with a, a stronger, a deeper faith in Jesus Christ, and, and it inspired me. Their story inspired uh, me. So um, when we endure afflictions, it sets, it sets an example for other believers as well. So most have gone through far worse than we have even gone through, and they've, they've survived, they've thrived, and their example encourages the testimony of saints that have gone before us, and we see that how God has been faithful to them. It inspires us and encourages us and lets us know that God is going to be faithful to us. So in the same way, whatever adversity you face, whatever trials you're going through, God wants to use it to set an example for others as well. When I'm, when I'm tempted to have a pity party, I, I think about uh, those individuals that have, in, have encountered much worse than I have encountered, and I try to remember what Hebrews chapter 12 says. You remember Hebrews chapter 12 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. When I think about all of those that have gone before us, what they have endured, that's Hebrews chapter 12. You know Hebrews chapter 11 is the hall of faith, right? And it tells the story of many of those people in God's word who endured so much more than we've ever endured. And when we look at their example, when we see what God has, how God God has been faithful in their life. It inspires us to continue on. And so the afflictions that you endure can inspire somebody else. Just like the Thessalonians, Paul says, God has used you, your endurance, the afflictions that you have endured, God has used you, and you have set an example throughout all of Achaia and through all of Macedonia because people are inspired by your Example. So there are many that have gone before us and set an example of endurance. And of course, the greatest example of endurance is Jesus Christ, right? Because in Hebrews it continues and it says, and we should look to Jesus, who is the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Afflictions, when they are, in, when they are endured with joy because our faith is in Jesus Christ, then our afflictions set an example uh, for other believers. 
and we can inspire them as well. But then there's a third thing. There's a third thing that, G, that, that Paul suggests here in this passage, or at least it's implied in this passage, that is a reason that afflictions, uh, that we can endure afflictions with joy. And that is, number three, afflictions gain eternal glory for us. Afflictions, the afflictions that we endure, not only do they teach us endurance, not only do they set an example for other believers, but the afflictions that we endure actually gain us eternal glory. Now, this is the last thing I want to talk about uh, tonight, and, and I want to show you something here in just a second. But in 2 Corinthians, Paul mentions this. Paul talks about this very principle. He says, for this light and momentary affliction, in other words, the adversity that we experience here in this life, in this world, whatever it might be. And how many knows that compared to Paul, I said compared to Paul, any affliction that I have, it is light and it's momentary. Go back through and read what Paul endured, how he endured beatings and shipwrecks and uh, how he endured starvation and and dangers, wild beasts. And so compared to Paul, again, Paul sets a good example for us of endurance, of afflictions. So compared to Paul, anything that I do endure is light and it's momentary. But Paul says this light and momentary affliction that we are experiencing is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory that is beyond all comparison. Now, if that doesn't excite you, does it make you happy tonight to know that whatever adversity, whatever affliction you're enduring here is preparing you for a glory that God has prepared for you in heaven that's not even, not even comparable to what we experience here in this life. At the moment that we're in the presence of God, we're going to forget about all of these trials and all of the adversity and all of the affliction. That, that loom is... It's so large, it seems so large to us now. But listen, when we're in heaven, we're going to forget all about that stuff. Amen. It's going to wipe our tears. We'll be in the presence of God because every affliction that we endure now is earning us eternal glory in heaven. So what we endure here on earth is earning eternal glory in heaven. What a, what a wonderful thing to consider. Amen. In fact, um, I want to show you something I believe is going to bless your heart tonight. I, I saw, I've read it many times. You probably have read it many times before, but I just, I never really put it together this way. If you take your Bibles and turn to Psalm uh, chapter 90. Psalm 90. Like I said, I've read this chapter many, I know you have too, but I just put together a couple of verses in a way that I've never put them directly together before and it blessed my heart and I hope that it will will you also I, I, I like to call it I call it heaven's ratio okay heaven's ratio Psalm 90 let's just you follow along and I'm, I'm just going to read the entire chapter but I'm going to point out like I said a couple of verses in particular Psalm 90 says Lord you have been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust, and you say, return, O children of man. Look at verse 4. For a thousand years in your sight are but as 
yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. Verse 5, you sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades away. It fades and it withers. So there again, let's just pause there for us. That's what Paul is talking about. This light momentary affliction it doesn't last very long. It's producing for us an eternal glory in heaven. This world, we pass through it so quickly. Amen. And the afflictions, the difficulties that we experience, they're actually... They're short-lived uh, for us. Verse number 7, For we are brought to an end by your anger, by your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before us, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all of our days pass away under your wrath. We bring, we bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are how long? Seventy or even by reason of strength eighty. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and of your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us, verse 12, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long have pity, or return, O Lord, how long have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days. Verse number 15, make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Verse 16, let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to, to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. So what is the psalmist saying? First of all, he's saying life is short, 70 years, maybe 80 uh, years by reason of strength. They pass quickly. They're filled with what? Toil and trouble and, and adversity. So he says, so teach us to number our days, Lord. Help us to recognize how, how short this life really is. And that there's an eternity stretching out uh, in front of us. Teach us to number our days. And then he says, and satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love. And look at verse 15. And make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us. And for as many years as we have seen evil. So he says, make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us. And then remember what he said in verse number four, what heaven's ratio is. For Lord, with you, one day is as what? A thousand years. Now, I know that heaven is for eternity. I'm thankful for that. But just think about that ratio for a moment. For every day that we encounter afflictions and difficulty and trials, the psalmist is saying, then give us According to your scale, God, a thousand years of blessing and satisfaction. That's a pretty good deal, isn't it? For every affliction that we endure, every trouble that we have, every day that we, every, how many have had a bad day before? <laughs> every bad day, God's got a thousand years of glory for us. That's a pretty good deal, isn't it? That's something to rejoice about. 
And it's at least something that can help us keep some perspective in this life. That the afflictions that we endure, the things that, we're, that we go through, that we're tempted to have pity parties and say, God, why me? I don't understand it. Why, Lord? Maybe it can help change our perspective and say, God, every affliction I endure is making me stronger. It's teaching me endurance. It's making me stronger. It's making me better. It's giving me wisdom, God. So I'm going to rejoice because I know that in my trial, in this adversity, you're doing something in me, teaching me something. And so, God, I, I want that work to be accomplished in me. And, and for every affliction that I endure, hopefully I'm setting somebody an example that they can know that God is faithful. <laughs> so I want to be an example to others that, that I endure affliction with joy in my heart, faith in God, love in, in my heart, just like Paul was commending the Thessalonians for their work of faith, their labor of love, their steadfastness in hope. He said, because of that, you have been an example to others. I want to be an example when I go through affliction so that others can see the faithfulness, not my faithfulness, but so that they can see the faithfulness of God. Amen. And know that he is a good God. And then I want to remind myself every day that every bad day that I have, every affliction <laughs> that I endure, God is laying up for me a reward in heaven that causes, doesn't even compare to the afflictions that I go through. The light and momentary troubles and adversities that I face here for these 70 or 80 years, that's nothing compared to the eternal glory that Jesus Christ has provided for us in heaven. Aren't you thankful for that? Thank you for listening today. If you have any questions or would like more information about following Jesus Christ, please contact us at gladtidings.church. If you live near Dunn, North Carolina, please consider visiting our church on Sunday mornings at 1030. You can also download our church app in the iTunes or Google Play app store and receive updates and notifications. You may use the app to make a financial gift to help support our ministry. God bless you.